Amen. Man, were you at home dancing? I mean, I was up there and I was kind of jigging a little bit. And what a wonderful song and thought. This idea of that we literally, when we understand the forgiveness of God, we dance in a rain with Him and we just, we want to run and enjoy. And there's this overwhelming joy because of the experience of this amazing grace and forgiveness. And so thanks, worship team, for bringing that this morning. Some of you were on your couch and you're eating and you dropped some stuff because you started dancing and jigging. And this is uh, truly a come-as-you-are Sunday, isn't it? I mean, some of you in your PJs, uh, some of you, <clears throat> please don't show us your PJs, but um, some of you are dressed up in different ways and some of you are eating and there's all kinds of different ways that you can be here to worship with us this morning. And it's honestly, it's a beautiful picture of the church that we can come together of people gathering together just as we are. And in the midst of the chaos and the busyness of life, we're pushing pause and we're giving God some thought. And so this morning, as we do that here at Crosspoint, our purpose is to point people to Jesus. Our, our new series, Love Does, is about pointing to some things that are essential to us as we follow Jesus. We're going to pull back the curtain a little bit on what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So we'll be looking at a specific moment in Jesus' life in Luke chapter 23 here in just a second and asking the question, how does love forgive? So if you have your Bibles, turn with me there to Luke chapter 23. And this is at the end of Jesus' ministry. And uh, he's about to go to the cross, and this is the moment of the cross. So join with me here in Luke chapter 23. Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. When they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross. And the animals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. The soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice and The crowd watched and the leaders scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he really is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him too by offering him a drink of sour wine. And they called out to him, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened above him with these words. This is the king of the Jews. Now, for some of us, we've seen this so many times in movies and in, in TV shows. We have this image of we are way down here and, and those mocking Jesus are way down here and that Jesus is, and, and the criminals are elevated to such a height that there's literally almost no way to physically touch them. But in reality, the truth of the matter is, is in that moment, whenever crucifixions were actually happening, They would drop that cross into the ground, into the hole, and that the feet of the person being crucified were literally just a few inches above the ground. And so that you could walk up to them and touch them and punch them and spit on them. And so you were literally face to face and eye to eye with the person that was being executed. So this is the scenario of Jesus, is that he's on the cross, he's literally inches from the ground, and people are walking up and spitting on him and talking to him and, and mocking him, and now they're putting this sign above him, and, and it, Jesus is experiencing excruciating pain in the crucifixion. As a matter of fact, that word excruciating comes from the root of it, is from crucifixion. It literally means 
the excruciating torment and pain and injury and woundedness. And the root of that is the crucifixion. And so here Jesus, in this very moment, the the worst moment physically of his life, he's there and and he's on the cross and all the, the nails that are in his hands and his feet and people are walking by and are talking to him and spitting at him and mocking him. And in the midst of all of that, Jesus offers some powerful words. This idea of woundedness. All of you have some, some different wounds. Jesus, in this moment, he was physically wounded, right? He was also mentally, the mental anguish. Can you imagine for the last 24 hours of his experience, even leading up to the cross, the the mental anguish that he's going through, the woundedness there, the emotionalness of this, that that his friends are literally have gone. The, the guys that he's invested in for the last three and a half years have abandoned him. As, as life becomes difficult, as his life has become chaotic, the friends that he thought that he had abandoned him. No one was there. And obviously just emotional. Imagine the emotional pain of, of all the things that are being hurled at him, and the, the loss of his friendships, the physicalness, and just everything about this moment wrapped up in that moment. And he's deeply wounded. Here's the deal. We all have wounds as well. Where do our wounds come from? What are your wounds? Some of you, you have some physical wounds that you've You've been hurt somewhere along the way. Maybe you've been abused. Maybe you've been hurt. You have some physical things that you're truly dealing with that are wounds that you carry with you consistently. We have wounds that are physical. We have mental wounds. Some of us are struggling with some things mentally. We're trying to wrap our brain around different things that are happening in our lives. And the mental anguish is literally not letting us sleep. And it's causing anxiety. It's causing depression. It's causing all kinds of different things in our life because of the mental woundedness that we're struggling with. Some of us are in an emotional place where the wounds our deep family and friends and loved ones, your kids, people that you've entrusted your life with have wounded you on such a deep level that you have deep scars and wounds in your emotional life, but also in our relational life that people have left us and we've, we've given over so much to others and they've walked away from us, literally turned their backs on us and gone in the opposite direction of us. And those create deep, significant wounds. Our natural response to those wounds is, one is the one I usually call this, the the wrong them back response, is that when I'm wounded, I want to get them back. It's this eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, an ear for an ear, whatever it may be. You want to get them back, and it's got to exact the same amount of pain that they've exacted to you. And so we calculate it, we think about it, how are we going to get it, and so we kind of stew on it. That's one of our natural responses to being wounded and how are we gonna, how are we gonna get back to that? One of the other ways that we respond naturally to being wounded is revenge. And I mean revenge was an exclamation point. It is total destruction, total annihilation. We're gonna get them, we're gonna wipe them off the bat. There will be no remembrance of their existence because of the pain that they've put on us. The wounds are deep. 
And in our natural state, our natural desire, our natural abilities lend us to these natural responses of, listen, you punch me in the stomach, I'm going to punch you in the stomach, and it's going to be at least as hard, if not a little bit harder. If you've blackened my eye, I'm going to blacken your eye, and I'm going to try to get it to where I can hit you hard enough, where it's an eye and a half. And that's how we try to exact our revenge and get them back. Think about this, though, that Jesus is on the cross, and he's struggling with this mental wounding. He's struggling with his relational wounding. He's struggling with the physical wounding. He's struggling with all this stuff. And so people are walking by and mocking him and making fun of him and saying all this stuff that they're saying about him. And in the midst of the most worst time of his life, what does he say? Look back at verse 34. He says this, Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. Father, forgive them. Hey, you're an idiot. You're not smart enough. You're a loser. Father, forgive them. Imagine what it takes in the midst of deep woundedness to be able to say those words, I I, I forgive. Because our natural reaction is to say, listen, come on, bring it. You've started it, I'm going to finish it. That's our natural reaction to this. And in the midst of this, Jesus could have easily fended off those that have offended him. And hurt him and wounded him. But he stands up and says, Father, forgive them. Listen, that is an incredible calling for us as followers of Jesus. That One of the things that we're called to do as followers of him is, is to mimic him. And to do the things that Jesus does. And so this may be the most difficult thing that we're called to do as followers of Jesus is in the midst of our woundedness, in the midst of maybe even the greatest pains that we will ever experience is to look beyond our pain, is to look beyond ourselves and to say, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Because here's the truth is that there's people that have offended us and have hurt us and wounded us deeply, and they do not even know that they've offended us. They don't even know that we carry wounds because of something they said or something they did. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. But, 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 Chris, you don't understand. My wounds, my wounds are deep wounds. And that's our natural response as well. But listen, hey, Chris, I, I, I got your story. You, you, you've got it all together. Your life's perfect. You're, you know, all this. You, you've never been wounded. No one's ever said anything to you to hurt you. And But you don't know my story. And again, one of the ways that we do is we like to, to sit in our stuff because we feel like we've got control over it. Even if we don't like it, we've got control over it. But you don't know my stuff. So here's the question for us this morning is, how can we, in the midst of our deep woundedness, how can we forgive like Jesus? How can we forgive like Jesus? The first thing that I want you to get is this, is that forgiveness is a choice. All right, John 13, verses 34 and 35 say this, 
So now I'm giving you a new commandment. He's talking to his disciples. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will do what? Will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So again, forgiveness is a choice. Choosing to love through forgiveness is a choice. It's that moment where we decide, listen, I'm called to love each other and, and, and that there are people that have hurt us and usually those that hurt us the deepest and create the deepest wounds are the ones that are the closest. You can get a much deeper knife stab by being closer. And so you, you, you open yourself up, you're vulnerable and people stab us and so there's some, some deep wounds. And so the ability to step back from that and to say, listen, in the spirit of love, listen, I, right now I, I don't like you, I'm struggling with this, but in the spirit of love, I'm choosing to love you because that's what Jesus has asked us. So how do we do that? How do we choose to begin to love this thing, this idea, this person, and, and work through this idea of woundedness through forgiveness? The first thing is this, is pray for those who wound you. That's right. Begin to pray for those who wound you. In Luke chapter 6, verse 28, bless those who curse you, pray for those who hurt you or wound you. In other words, there are going to be people that are going to wound you. This is a part of life. This is in relationships with one another. People are going to hurt us. They're going to stab us. They're going to wound us on deep levels. And so Jesus knew this, and he said, pray for those that are going to wound you. As a matter of fact, he even takes it a little step further in Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 and following. He says, you have heard that the law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That, that was the, the teaching of the day. And so Jesus kind of goes a little bit further. He says, I say, love your enemies. The willful choice of loving your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Who persecute you? Your enemies. And so here Jesus is saying, love your enemies by praying for them. Why in the world, in the midst of our woundedness, would we make this willful choice to forgive? Why would Jesus ask us to pray for those people that have wounded us? Here's what I think Jesus knows. A right heart leads to right actions. Let me say that again. A right heart leads to right actions. Think of it this way. Here's my problem over here. I've got my problem. It's an issue. They've wronged me. It's a hurt. It's a wound. And God the Father is back here. And so my natural instinct, my natural response in the midst of my woundedness is I want to move toward that person that's wounded me or whatever it is that's wounded me, and I want exact revenge. I want to totally annihilate it. That's in my flesh. But in this moment that I say, listen, God, I, I, I want to totally, I want to do a shock and awe, and I want to get rid of this thing, this person that's wounded me, but I'm going to listen to you in the midst of this, and I'm going to begin to pray for this person. Now, I don't want to. As a matter of fact, I want to do anything but pray for them, but I'm going to begin to stop. And so in that moment when we make that choice, through the spirit of love, to offer forgiveness and to begin to pray, we do this begin to turn our eyes direction. 
And so our gaze turns from the thing that has in person that has wounded us to all of a sudden our attention begins to turn and that the longer that we spend in conversation with God the Father, and we begin to say, God, listen, I don't like so-and-so. And then that reminds us and we look back and we kind of, we do this back and forth. But the longer that we turn our direction to over here and begin to have a conversation with God, all of a sudden our focus isn't on the issue and the wrong and the woundedness over here, but it begins to become over here. And so the next thing you know, instead of wanting to exact revenge and total shock and awe over something and knock it out, We're turning around and we're literally moving toward God the Father. We're having this discussion of God. Do you really know, Father, do you really know? Do you really know the depths of my wounds? Father, do you know what they did to me? Father, do you know how they hurt me? Father, do you know that the depths of this wound, it feels like it will never, ever heal. And that every time that I think it's healed, I can feel it again. And every time I move, it hurts. And it feels like this pain is never going to be relieved. And we continue to move further and further in to the Father's voice because he continues to listen. He continues to be compassionate and to speak truth and to... More than anything, he just listens and holds us and lets us vent and get it out. And in those moments, he's just saying, yes, my child, I know. I know. Before long, the heart that wanted to exact revenge Is in the lap of a father. And a father who's saying, Child, if anyone knows deep wounds and wanting to exact revenge, I know. A right heart begins to lead to right actions. Now, is it easy? No. Is it a short amount of time? No. It's going to take time, but is it worth it? Yes. Why? Why in the world, Chris, would this even begin to be worth it? Because, listen, the opposite of forgiveness is bitterness. And bitterness, when it sets root, it is a weed that its roots quickly get deep, and it is hard to eradicate, that you can even see it, you've pull it out, and if you even begin to leave anything, bitterness begins to continue to crop up because easily our eyes go back to the moment of woundedness when we don't forgive. And Lamont says it this way, bitterness is like drinking drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. You're drinking it, hoping they're going to die, but that poison of bitterness only impacts you. Think of it this way. Through prayer, you can have a little Disney Plus moment. Let it go. Let it go. There you go. That's why I'm not on the worship team. If you're struggling with choosing forgiveness, here's what you can do. Think about it this way. Forgive 
as you've been forgiven. If you're struggling with this, if you're like, hey, hey, God, we're having this little discussion back and forth, and I'm talking for you a little bit, but I'm still thinking about this moment of woundedness, and, you're, you're, and, and, and maybe you've moved this way a little bit closer, but you're still struggling with making this decision of like, okay, I'm going to walk away from this, and I'm going to allow God to heal me, and I'm truly going to offer forgiveness. If you're struggling with that, then here's this is for you. Forgive as you've been forgiven. Even Hannah, we prayed this prayer a little bit earlier on, and, and this is one of the things that as we pray it, I want you just to, to think through it. It says at one point in the Lord's Prayer, it says this, forgive us our sins. This is us asking God, God, hey, God, forgive me my sins. And then the other half of it is, as I've forgiven those who sinned against me, as I've forgiven those who've wounded me, forgive me of the wounds I've given you. Hold on, wait, what? God, you're, you're saying, what? Yeah, yeah. It says, hey, God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna offer forgiveness of all of those wounds from other people as often as I ask you. And, and, and God's like, whoa, think about that. You're asking something from me you're not willing to offer others. And so the question in that is, have we truly experienced forgiveness? Have we truly experienced grace? Do we truly understand what it means that God looks upon us and says, My child, you are forgiven. Wow. Now listen, the longer we do this life thing, that there's two things that happen. One is, is if you're around church long enough and, and if you become churchy, you begin to think that you've cleaned up, that you've behavior modified enough and that you've got away from this and you don't do this and you definitely don't do that and you got all these different things. And so you've modified and you've cleaned up and that when you think that you, when you look in the mirror, that you've got it all together, therefore you, you can then begin to pass judgment on other people and go, hmm. How come you still doing that? How come you still doing that? How come I'm at this place? How come you doing that? Listen, that is one attitude. The other attitude is as we continue to grow in grace and understanding is that we become more amazed at the fact of in awe of the fact that God would continually offer forgiveness to me for the stupid things that I do day after day after day, after day. And yes, have I grown? Have I matured? Am I, there's some things that I'm not doing or not drawn to, don't have appetites for? Sure, but there's still some stuff that I crave that are not of God. So I still have opportunities to offer forgiveness because I am never going to arrive. I don't have it all together, no matter how clean, no matter how good my hair looks, no matter what clothes I wear, no matter the behavior modification, I will never arrive at perfection in a way that I no longer have to offer forgiveness in the way that Jesus asks us to do it, to forgive our sins, our wounds, as you've forgiven our wounds against you. So forgive as you've been forgiven. Look at also at Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. It says this, make allowance for each other's faults. Now, I know all of us have that person or persons that just kind of annoy us. 
And so this is what I want you to think. Put yourself as I am that person. So make allowance for myself because I annoy somebody. I annoy somebody somewhere, somehow. Everyone is normal until you get to know them, okay? So make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Who's going to offend you? Everybody. At some point, in some way, if you're doing relationships with people and you do them long enough, somehow, some way, someone, everyone will offend you. They will do something to offend you. So make allowance for those. That's grace. That's life. A lot of times that's great jokes later on. Remember that the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. In other words, God's making allowance for your faults. You might as well pass the favor on to others. Because you probably are someone else's annoyance. So just relax, all right? You don't have it. You're not perfect. Here's another one in Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 and 22. Then Peter came to him, he's talking to Jesus, and asked, Lord, how often do you forgive sins against me? How, Lord, how, how often should you forgive the sins of someone else? And he said, seven times? Jesus says, no, not seven times. And that, that was the normal standard of the day. That was, that was completion. That was, hey, listen, if I've forgiven you seven times, then that's more than enough. Jesus says, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. I don't know how about you mathematicians. You're like, huh, that's like I've got, that's a little bit more than seven, but I'm going to get this figured out. Listen, the idea is this, is that it is an infinite amount of numbers. We never stop forgiving. We're always going to be offended. We're always going to be hurt. There's always going to be opportunities to be wounded. And God says, continually be, because love does. Love does continually forgive and pursues forgiving. And that the longer that we live, the more we become aware of the fact of how much we've been forgiven and the ability that we have the opportunity as well to offer grace. As a follower of Jesus, love does. Love does extravagant things. Even forgiving those who are seemingly unforgivable. Even those that are seemingly unforgivable, love does the extravagant thing and forgives. How can you forgive like Jesus? How can you forgive like Jesus? One, make the choice. Make the choice that I'm going to love, that I'm going to forgive. Second, begin to pray. Listen, I've got woundedness, and here's my natural reaction. I want to punch him out. I want to shock and awe. I want to totally destruct. But I'm going to listen, and I'm going to begin to have a conversation with God because a right heart leads to right actions. And maybe someday, maybe not right now, but maybe someday, not only are you in the lap of your father, God the Father, but you're putting your arms around someone who has offended you and hurt you deeply. And that can't happen any other way than through God transforming our heart, our mind, and our soul and seeing the person that's offended us and wounded us through Jesus' eyes and not through ours. And it starts with a simple thing of saying, God, I don't want to, but here I start. And finally, forgive as you've been forgiven. May you just be reminded of your humanness. Just be reminded of the fact that, hey, even the other day you walked into HEB and you tripped. 
You left your keys in the car. You do the things that we do that we don't tell anyone else. That's a reminder to you that you are human. And in that humanness, you need forgiveness. So here's some things that I want you to think over this week, this morning. It's this. Are you a part of the walking wounded? Are you walking around and just the the spirit and a party and you're wounded and you know it and you're living out of it? And in that walking in the woundedness, bitterness has set root and it's difficult to get rid of it and you're tripping over it. You see it everywhere you go and you can only think about your woundedness. There may be moments of light, but this woundedness overwhelms you. How's that wound impacting your spiritual walk? It's keeping you from relationships because most likely that wound is from someone. And if you're in deep relationships with people, a lot of times those are in a church community and you've entrusted and so you've been hurt and wounded deeply. And so many times that impacts our spiritual walk with Jesus. Think about that. Just take a moment and think about that. Here's another thing I want you to consider. Is there anyone that you need to forgive? Is there anyone, because probably the reason that you're still wounded and the things that you're struggling with is because you've got some wounds over here, some things that you're struggling with, and you've never truly pursued forgiveness. Now, you have moments of forgetfulness, but not true forgiveness. And forgetfulness and forgiveness are not the same thing, because forgetfulness means I just totally forgot, and every once in a while I think about it, and then the wound comes up, the bitterness comes up, and you trip over it. But true forgiveness allows us to not forget what wounded us and who wounded us and how we were wounded, but to move past it and understand, listen, I still love you in spite of the deep wound you've given me. And then finally, have you ever been forgiven yourself of your own sins and your own mistakes by God the Father? You cannot offer this type of forgiveness unless you've experienced it. Listen, unless you've experienced the deep, well of God's grace and forgiveness, you will never be able to pass this on and experience what it means to forgive others that have wounded you deeply. So my prayer for you this morning is that you would say yes to the forgiveness that Jesus offers you through his death and his life on the cross. That the reason that he went through the excruciating pain that he went through was so that you can experience the forgiveness that we're talking about this morning. And that the only way that you can pass this forgiveness on to others is to say yes to the forgiveness that he offers. That the pain that he went through was for you. He experienced wounds so that you could be healed of your own wounds. Let's pray together this morning. Dearly Father, as we continue our time together, I just want to take a moment and There are those listening this morning that are with us this morning, and they have never really said yes to Jesus. They've never really experienced the forgiveness of the cross. They've never really experienced the deep well of your grace and what it means to walk in freedom, what it means, what it would really feel like to be in a rain shower and to dance with great joy because there's this freedom that comes when you experience the forgiveness of Jesus. It overwhelms your heart. It overwhelms your mind. It overwhelms your soul. It overwhelms your body. And it changes the direction 
of your life. Because before you're continually focused on the wounds, you're continually focused on opportunities to take revenge. But in that moment that you say yes to Jesus and his death upon the cross, it turns our attention away from our stuff and our issues. It begins to turn our attention and our focus upon God the Father. And that the longer that we, and the deeper that we understand forgiveness, we're drawn in. That's the beauty of forgiveness, that as we understand it so much, we, we think that, that God's keeping us here, but God's like, listen, come in. I forgive you all the way to here. I don't have to keep you at a distance. We're not out of here. But I draw you into this deeper relationship with me. So if you want to know that Jesus, just pray with me right now. I need this Jesus. I believe in you. I receive you. Confess my sins. I profess my need for forgiveness to receive it. Jesus, I receive your gift of forgiveness. And I desire for the rest of my days to live in that forgiveness to pass that forgiveness out. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you've made that prayer this morning, I pray that you would just drop us a note, drop it on Facebook, email us. We'd love to know that you've experienced the forgiveness of Jesus. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Let's continue to worship for singing.